Welcome back to another That's So dot 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 episode with me, Jess Bryan. That's So is a monthly series here at That's So Chronic where we chat about books, films, interviews, articles, literally anything and everything that's in our That's So Chronic world. Today, we're chatting about the documentary Rising Phoenix. Welcome to That's So Chronic. I'm just going to say this straight off the bat. If you haven't seen the 2020 documentary film Rising Phoenix yet, then you have to go and watch it. You are permitted to listen to this episode before heading over to Netflix or YouTube to watch it or pause this podcast and go and watch it right now and then come back and see what I had to say about everything. I actually watched Rising Phoenix when it came out in 2020 during my 52 documentaries in 52 weeks challenge, which I am actually doing again this year, but I am a couple of weeks behind. Don't tell anybody. It's my dirty little secret at the moment. Anyway, I re-watched Rising Phoenix last week with my mum, who hadn't seen it yet. Here in New Zealand, we are actually in lockdown, meaning that me and my mum are in separate bubbles. So we weren't actually able to watch it together, but we watched it at the same time and compared notes at the end. Mum's concluding statement was also of a similar vein. She said, the documentary was just wow. I think everyone needs to watch it. It's so inspiring and really makes me want to not sweat the small stuff in life. Rising Phoenix is directed by Ian Bonhose and Peter Itajui, who broke into the documentary scene directing the documentary McQueen, which I still haven't seen yet. I mean, I've seen so many documentaries, but it is definitely on my list. And if you also haven't seen it, McQueen is about the life and career of famous fashion designer Alexander McQueen. Following the success of McQueen, as you can probably imagine, people and producers were just knocking on the duo's door, offering them other fashion subjects to create more documentaries about. But in an interview with Owen Richards from theartsdesk.com, Peter Edidwe said that they both weren't interested in fashion enough to warrant dedicating their entire careers to creating films about it. And that's when the producers John Batsik and Greg Nugent approached the filmmaking pair. John Batsik is a British documentary film producer who co-founded the production company Passion Pictures. Actually, Passion Pictures went on to be a two-time Oscar-winning and four-time Oscar-nominated production company, so huge successful and Greg Nugent worked as the director of brand marketing and culture for the London 2012 Olympic and Paralympic Games and during his time there it is reported that he had a huge impact for the success of the London 2012 Games and was the brain behind a massive 5.5 million attendee database which is an incredible number of people, as it is more than the population of New Zealand. And in doing this research, I did accidentally click into his LinkedIn profile. So that's awesome. Now he knows that little old Jess Bryan from New Zealand has been stalking him because I am sure that he pays for premium LinkedIn. Anyway, 
The two had gotten together and they were hoping to create a documentary about the Paralympic movement, as Greg had had this dream since falling in love with the Paralympics during London 2012. They both saw McQueen and approached the two filmmakers and they immediately fell in love with the project. And the rest is history. The entire documentary follows the story of nine Paralympic athletes, including Australian para swimmer Ellie Cole, wheelchair rugby player Riley Batt, para fencing superstar Bibi Vio, French para athlete Jean Baptiste Allais, and British para athlete Johnny Peacock, just to name a few. And it starts with a really moving quote by Jean Baptiste himself. He says, We are all superheroes because we have all experienced tragedy. We have all lived through something that didn't allow us to succeed. And that's where our strength lies. We're trying to change the world. Except the quote is en français, so it's more like, Nous sommes tous des superheroes. And you get the picture. (laughs) I won't make you listen to any more of my French because c'est parfait, it is not. Although I am very proud of what I managed to just come out of my mouth just then. Anyway, it was this quote from Jean Baptiste that actually inspired the directors to focus on this superhuman approach. Much like Channel 4's, Channel 4 is the main broadcaster for the Paralympics in the UK. It was much like their campaign during London 2012. They actually had this huge billboard in London after the Olympics that said, thanks for the (laughs) warm-up. So much sass, I love to see it. And so the filmmakers decided that they needed to make this film a visual spectacle. Ian Bonhote actually said in this interview with the Arts Desk that he thinks 90% of documentaries are not visually appealing and that's why sometimes audiences are less attracted to them. Not me, I am definitely obsessed with documentaries, but I digress. When they also looked into art more, they realised that people with impairments and disabilities were generally not even looked at. And so that's when they decided to use a lot of the budget on the visual aspect of the film and not shooting loads of footage, but shooting the footage extremely well, what they did have. They decided on a lot of wide shots to paint a fuller picture of the athletes, including their impairments, and then a lot of close-up shots, which, as I'm sure you all know, really hones in on the emotions, and in turn, it lets us as the audience feel even more connected to the stories. And that aspect of story is something that really stood out to me throughout the documentary. I can't remember who said it in the film, but someone said, everyone has a story at the Paralympic Games. And you guys know me, I absolutely love stories. I love listening to stories and sharing stories and telling stories. And so that's something that really resonated with me. And going back into the notes that my mum sent me, she said it was also apparent that all of the para-athletes had a sense of resilience in their story, which was inspiring for her to hear. One story in particular that really gets me in the feels is the story of Australian wheelchair rugby player Riley Batt. He shares his story where he was born without legs, which did come as a bit of a surprise to his family and that it did take them some time to adjust to this. But it was his granddad that really stepped up and gave him opportunities and even bought him a motorbike and... 
I don't know what it is about granddads, but they just really get me in the freaking feels. So that was a tear-jerking moment already. The documentary also discusses and explores the history of the Paralympic movement and where it all began. I did touch on this briefly in the Paralympics 101 Spotlight On episode last week. If you haven't listened to that, I would love you to go back and listen to that. And... Uh, it's where it all started with Dr. Ludwig Gutmann. It was so cool in Rising Phoenix to see his daughter share her memories of him and to get a more in-depth recount of how it all started because his story actually begins during World War II in Germany. And I think even if you just watched the documentary for his story, then it's well worth the watch. And then, throughout the documentary, we are showing the lead-up to the Rio 2016 Paralympic Games. Following the success of London 2012 Paralympics, Rio really needed to step up and deliver the ultimate Paralympic Games. But already, there's a few red flags. The first being that the official name for the organising committee was the Organising Committee for the Olympic Games. No mention of the Paralympics. Uh, I'm sorry, like, what the heck is that? And it's at seven weeks out that the bombshell gets dropped. The committee announces that they've run out of money and that they may not deliver the Paralympic Games after all. Ugh, the funding for the Paralympics had been taken and given to the Olympics instead. And we're seeing all of this from the perspective of Andrew Parsons, who at the time was the chairperson for the Brazilian Paralympic Committee, but now is the president of the International Paralympic Committee. And Sir Philip Craven, who was the president of the IPC at the time, and Xavier Gonzalez, who is the CEO or was the CEO of the IPC. They said that during this time, all they could think was that, you know, the Brazilian committee and the government are just telling people with disabilities that you're not important, you're not worth the effort to put these games on. And it is a real mess, if I'm being completely honest with you. And you can kind of see that in the energy that these interviews are having with the three of them. But then there's this moment where they say, Paralympians don't have the time to think about what doesn't work. They maximize what does work, and that's what we are going to do right now. So the three of them get to work. But from a filmmaker's perspective, jumping back to the filmmakers who are making this, this sort of drama and this giant twist is what makes the documentary thrive. Peter Edidui said that it's something that you wouldn't be able to write without looking hokey and looking made up because throughout the documentary you fall in love with the movement and then you see it all potentially getting taken away from them and that we as the audience are actually kind of responsible for this because perhaps we're not engaging enough with the Paralympic movement. He then goes on to say, uh, Peter Edidui goes on to say, we knew we had something that was potentially filmic gold and it was up to us not to screw it up. 
we can see that things are getting really intense behind the scenes in Brazil as they're scrambling to make these games happen. And they're dealing with a situation that you would literally never, ever, ever see happen to the Olympic Games. So I decided to ask Rory McSweeney, a New Zealand Paralympian who was in Rio and who ultimately won a bronze medal in Javelin there, whether he was feeling the stress in the lead up to the Games. Yeah, no, I was I was pretty relaxed about it, eh? Like, don't sweat the small stuff, I reckon. And I think, like, every Paralympic Games is unique regardless of the circumstances surrounding it. You know, the I think in Rio, the accommodation wasn't quite like what it was in London and stuff like this. But for me, it was my first Games, and I loved Rio. I loved the people. It was a very interesting place to be competing you know a different sort of culture that I had an experience so I just I was just excited to go and there and there were little I guess noises in the background but I think it was was always going ahead I mean they do it's like look at what Tokyo is doing now again you've got this crazy bubble games happening and I think three people got COVID at the, the opening ceremony and it's just so there's, they're, they're unique regardless, and then you have these other surrounding factors, right? Like, so it's just, it's just makes the, the, the experience what it is, I suppose. In the 11th hour, they make it work, and the Rio 2016 Paralympic Games happens with ticket sales actually bypassing those sold during the Olympics. It's a huge success and a really stunning moment in the film. There are also some funny moments throughout the documentary, though, that I would love to mention, including one where Australian Paralympian Ellie Cole talks about a moment she remembers from her first day at a new school. Ellie had her leg amputated following a cancer diagnosis when she was a child, and she said that this sort of opened her up to all sorts of bullying at school. But there was this one time when an annoying little shit just kept calling her pirate or something like that, and so she took off off her prosthetic leg and threw it at him across the room and he never called her pirate ever again. As always, I took to Instagram to see if you guys had watched Rising Phoenix and what your thoughts were, but I was shocked that the majority of you hadn't actually seen it yet. I'm sure you'll go and watch it after this. But I did get a voice note, though, from a friend of the podcast. Here's Kira's thoughts after watching Rising Phoenix. Watching Rising Phoenix was really incredible. Um, just to see what people's bodies are capable of is crazy. Because rather than looking at a bunch of people with disabilities and thinking about how limited they are, it's actually showing you how strong they are and it like flips that narrative on its head and you know just shows you that human bodies are capable of crazy things when you're watching the athletes compete it's so much more exciting because you're not just watching the one race that they're doing or like the you know long jump you are watching people that had to truly pioneer the sport for them specifically like everyone's disability is different and so there's not someone there showing you exactly how to do it. The, everyone had to figure it out for themselves after I'm sure being told over and over again that there was no way they could do it. And they just didn't accept that and figured it out and pushed themselves. And it's super inspiring. And it just makes me feel like I have no excuses, <laughs> you know, not to do it. I'm absolutely capable of doing anything. Like we all are. Human bodies are awesome. And yeah, it was really cool to watch. 
from my research, it feels as though the filmmakers made an active choice to make this documentary inspiring. They said that they wanted to make it impossible to not feel shocked and inspired in terms of the visual aspect of the film. But of course, with that comes the issue that suddenly all people with disabilities need to be an inspiration. The We the 15 movement, sport's biggest ever human rights movement to end discrimination and a movement that aims to transform the lives of the world's 1.2 billion, aka 15% of the world's population of persons with disabilities, does highlight this in their video campaign that launched last week. The filmmakers were asked to speak about this in that Arts Desk interview that I've been referencing throughout this episode. And Peter said that there is an expectation, he agrees, but many of them, as in the para-athletes, are an inspiration. They both go on to say that it was important to them that they didn't showcase only winners in this documentary and that that's a part of the message of the film. It's not just about excellence, it's about accepting to lose and trying to do things for yourself and following your passion and that passion can be about anything. It doesn't have to be about winning gold at the Paralympic Games. During the documentary, Ali Cole said something that stuck out to me. She said... If my parents had known about the Paralympics back when I was three years old, they would have had so much more hope about what was possible. And that's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently, especially during the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics. I'm thinking, are people watching these games? Why isn't there the same level of noise right now on my Instagram feed compared to what was happening during the Olympics? What is all of that about? And I mean, I don't know. And I can't even pretend to be an expert in this and have all of the answers to try and answer that on this episode right now. And I know that the Paralympic movement has issues in terms of inclusivity for disabled and chronically ill athletes and that it's also life-changing for some people living with a disability. I mean, I've already had an emotional moment watching an athlete with MS win a gold medal and when they were receiving their medal on the podium their hand was doing the same thing that my hand does and I'd never seen that on my TV before and that was a huge moment for me and I'm realizing that this is definitely more than just about winning medals. And on that note I am actually going to leave this conversation here. But as always, you can find me over on Instagram at That's So Chronic if you want to keep this conversation going. You can stream Rising Phoenix on Netflix and it is available to watch for free. So if you don't have Netflix, this is a great opportunity for you to see it on YouTube until the 5th of September. So head to the show notes to find the link for that. And don't forget to come back to your favorite podcast app this Sunday for an extra Tokyo 2020 Paralympics recap episode. And if sports really isn't your thing, I get it and I got you. Normal weekly Tuesday interviews will resume next Tuesday. I'm going to leave you with this quote from the film. It was impossible in the beginning, but everything is impossible in the beginning. You just need to believe in yourself. Just go and do whatever you want.
want. Have a lovely week.